Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamplett and Michael Sidgwick here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Collision, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by the Dadley Boys to review AEW Dynamite 200. And that's more like it, Sitch. I love this show. I love this show. My nostalgia should not be four years old, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> My nostalgia is a well-lit building that hosts AEW Dynamite where you can see clearly when they do that panoramic shot, the last row and everyone's face is on it. I don't want to see that darkness that cloaks those half-filled, massive basketball (laughs) stadiums that they probably shouldn't be doing. I need that intersection between intimate and big time. I love the tunnels. I love the trifecta of a great match, a great angle, and a great promo. I need that energy. I need that idiosyncratic style that AEW does. I need a, why is he debuted? And why do I love it so much? <laughs> there are certain things that I come to expect from Dynamite. And on purpose, given that it was the 200th episode and a celebration of it, I thought they nailed what should be impossible nostalgia. I will say that there are certain matches that didn't hit mm-hmm. as highly as I thought they would. But my God, the vibe I thought was perfect. We're nothing if not consistent because four years ago we were arguing about the quality of Dynamite when I was preferring NXT most weeks. <laughs> I thought this was rubbish. <laughs> I was really, ri- the best thing about the show were outside of like two things that I earnestly really enjoyed, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. From the nostalgia point of view, this was the first time AEW had the opportunity really. Four years is enough to do your own nostalgia. Um, Otherwise, it's like it's almost too self-aggrandizing at like the two-year mark to be like, let's talk about two years mm. of a show or whatever. Four years is a nice amount, and things have happened where you can draw on it. The tunnels have only gone this year, but it feels like they've been gone longer. Mm. Like I saw the it wasn't just the wrestlers in the match graphic when the trios match was announced earlier this week. It was the neon explosions. Uh. It's like, oh, that's nice. Like there are things. Oh my yeah, there are things now that have been gone long enough that it's just nice to see them again as a one-off. Um, and I was looking in research for the ups and downs, which you can check out at whatculture.com forward slash WWE, about other 200th episodes. And 
Nitro's 200th was in the middle of 1999 when the company was already finished and on its like slow, <laughs> it was on a, like a very slow road to death. Um, WWE's 200th Raw was by total coincidence the first Roy's War. So that was having wow. to change it completely by necessity because they were getting their asses handed to them. This was a dynamite that was able to just celebrate itself. And I thought the use of the clips in the entrances to show you that all of these wrestlers are quite entrenched in the lore of the show was really impressive. I thought the video package that Tony Khan teed up was really, really nice. But the best possible tribute to a great dynamite would have been a great dynamite. And I thought this was miles off. I don't know. A lot of people thought it was great. I know. And I quite like that. I disagree because I disagreed in 2019. So it feels like it's hitting an audience that I'm not really part of. Like, I haven't watched a lot of wrestling while I was off. I watched all of Collision. And it's probably my favorite individual end-to-end television show of the year. AW is clearly fine. It's clearly making loads of money. Yeah. They've rightfully so attached the biggest event in wrestling history, whatever. That tagline's fantastic because it's McMahon-esque grandiosity and true. They can actually claim it, and it's true. It's perfect. This feels about as far away from that as I could imagine, considering how close we are all in. Like, I had a lot of, like, so I'm not problems, but I just had a lot of, like, disconnected thoughts about the show and the vibes and the energy. I was just... I was sick of the sight of so many of the wrestlers I was watching here. Like, a couple of things aside, I cannot wait to praise a couple of things. Mm. It's still AEW. It's still, it has, uh, you can see it when, when it's there, but there was just loads of this show that I just thought was a waste of my time. Ugh, you know what you need to stop doing? <laughs> you need to stop getting up and watching it live. You are oh, a... Watch it live! You're a hex this with your cereal. A, but hang on, how am I a hex? Because you just said it was brilliant. What a bollocks to <laughs> Well, no, like, it's a hex on you. A hex on, on me. It's, it's for your own good. First day back and you've thought, I'll sleep for three hours. Well, you never wasn't. like it when you watch I was, it live. I, was, I, I do. Like, the reason I stay up late... Every single time you live tweet, and I, I, I get it's pit in my stomach, every time I go on Twitter, and you've been up with your cereal watching it live, and it's just Why do you think I... I think I do it. I've got so That's many. Now because you like you, you want to like the Fed more, I so don't... you do it to try and manifest a bad episode or a bad time. <laughs> when you wake, when you get some sleep and wake up, I don't want to like the Fed more. The Fed makes me like it more. But the reason I stay up late and watch Dynamite with cereals because I've got so many happy memories of watching awesome Dynamite. I wouldn't have started never praised it once. Started doing it in the first place at one o'clock in the morning. It was so you've great. never praised it. Once. I don't remember twenty twenty one because I remember it as fondly as you do twenty twenty. You're still a morning bitch. Though. Like the. I, it's, Welcome I, back. What was this? <laughs> well, I'll, I'd probably give it a 7.4, Matt Reigns. Is that like the way you want me to classify it? Like yeah, it was just, just uh, it was wake a, up at a normal time. It was a 6.1. Get into a less sour mood. It was a 5 and 5 on ups and downs because our format is flawed. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, the, but again, this is the row that I anticipated we would have because I do think this it is clearly satisfied the base, Yeah, you know, of which I never really was part of until about the company was about a year old and there was no fans in the building. But I don't think it's hitting. I really don't. I'm pissed off about the all-in thing, and I don't know when to get that, but I am annoyed about it. I want to anticipate this incredible Wembley event, and I feel I'm gotten to by it. I am. Murray was right to pick on me in the office this this morning. He was like, I like seeing people getting annoyed with this, right? And I'm annoyed with it, so I'll, I'll take the bait here. I'm annoyed that we're 24 days away. Three dynamites left. And I saw that, right? I... I tweeted my little moan about it yesterday, and some people saying, well, there's ages, there's loads of TV time left, right? There's not, because Dynamite, if you don't watch it live, in the UK, where the show is, right, Dynamite airs on what, like a Friday night or something? Friday night, Collision won't have even aired by the time All In takes place. You've got to be with Fight, or you've got to watch it through other means or whatever to be completely plugged in, and we all are, and a lot of people going to the Mm -hmm, show will all be. 
that's not a long time. Three weeks being used as a, there's three weeks left. Personally, I'm quite annoyed. I want to anticipate. I want to get excited by the card. I, like, I genuinely, this is, I don't mean this to come across as bad faith. It's part of the enjoyment. It's part, the anticipation is part of the enjoyment of a show. And I want to feel that. And I feel like that's being taken from me for reasons I still can't quite discern. There's a, I think there's a really good reason, but we'll get to that imminently. One thing I will say, I agree with that in principle. Like, the joy of Forbidden Door was, you get in a car to Danielson, strap in. Yeah. You've got, like, what was it? It was ages out. It was from the off, that, wasn't it? It was basically the earliest possible time they could do it, when Danielson had just had a win and whatever. Um, I was like, strap in. Fantasy book your little lame fantasy book (laughs) spots because you're going to get them all. And Um, fantasy book the build to it. Not quite as good as I anticipated, but on principle... Omega Osprey, the same. That had virtually the same amount of run time, like run-up time, yeah. Well, let's get into this show then, um, because it opened with you know the usual big welcome, and then Chris Jericho coming out for his tag match alongside Kanosuke Takeshita, taking on Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia, um, with like mentioned a uh, big emphasis on Chris Jericho being a big part of Dynamite, with a, a clips of, of his history within AEW, and uh, it's Guevara and Jericho start off back and forth. Uh, Guevara uh, hits a misdirect jump in knee and uh, managed to hit a pose with him and Daniel Garcia just to rub it into Chris Jericho. Garcia comes in and he's like, I want that to Kester, uh, who comes in and hits a leaping clothesline. You tweeted this. He looked massive. Oh my God. Um, Garcia comes in and starts slapping Garcia. Uh, sorry. Garcia's down and Jericho comes in and starts slapping him about and that sort of wakes him up and Garcia gets tripped by Callis, but Jericho, of course, doesn't see it. Um, big boot to, to Garcia to take us to a break. When we come back, Garcia gets the knees up, gets over to Guevara, hot tag, big crossbody onto Takeshita um, and him and Jericho get knocked to the floor and there's back-to-back dives from Sammy Guevara and a big frog splash back inside for a near fall. Uh, Takeshita comes back with a blue thunderbomb. Um but uh, Guevara manages to avoid the walls of Takeshita, as we're calling it. Um, catches Jericho with a Spanish fly. Gets the tag to Garcia, but Garcia runs straight into a co-breaker for a two-count. Takeshita gets sent outside uh, by Guevara. Big shooting star to the floor. Elbows Takeshita right in the face as part of that. Garcia tries for the Dragon Slayer. Aubrey suddenly turns her attention to the floor, so she can't see. Don Callis nail Daniel Garcia with a baseball bat. Jericho's not best pleased about it, but hey... He'll take it. One, two, three. Jericho and Takeshita get the victory. Full disclosure, my enjoyment of the show happened about half an hour into it because (laughs) I don't think this match was particularly good. I've long said that Jericho is a vastly underrated tag guy. He's able to put these things together, and they're so dynamic and dramatic, and I didn't get anything really from this. Um, Part of the problem is Jericho is a babyface can't act. Secondly, (laughs) and this this is really troubling, considering they've been building. Not like building it for four years, but it's been simmering for four years. This eventual Jericho versus Guevara program was always going to happen. I don't think anyone expected it to take four years. But um, it looked very much like they were on, not different wavelengths, because it did not go awry, but Jericho really felt like he was... I think struggling's a bit harsh, but it looked like he was very obviously getting himself into position to make sure he could keep up with Guevara. Didn't really feel organic, didn't really feel like they were in this moment, just working in this in harmony together. Mm. Um, this match was only electrifying when goddamn Kanosuke Takeshita was in it. Oh my God. Because he looks like he's going to break the ring. <laughs> he looks like 
you know those horrible moments where the the top rope just snaps and they tumble out of it. You get that fear that that's going to happen to Dikeshta because he is simply too big for that ring. He's too explosive <laughs> for that ring. It's unbelievable the explosiveness and propulsion this guy is equipped with, and it makes perfect sense that Callis has thought right, okay. My meal ticket, his body's in decline. I've seen the compression shirt. I've seen the kinesio tape. Who's my next guy for the 10 years? Look at him. He looks capable of breaking a ring. Um, elsewhere, I just thought this was solid at best. Takesh had a great night. I think he's the one to isolate for praise here. The, the great thing about much of AEW's roster as relates to getting Takesh over. Um, as this, at the moment, all-purpose wrestler. He was a fantastic underdog babyface, despite fa- being like 12 foot tall. <laughs> um, he's going to be a brilliant... He's kind of a monster heel now, or he's certainly growing into one, who can also take the piss like he was going dance for dance with Daniel Garcia. So you yeah. could see a bit more of that range. There's not really much Takeshita can't do, and he's got the size. But this kind of reminds you sometimes. I always think about it with Rhino. ECW had this great way of making its monsters look so much bigger than they actually were. Mike Awesome was less of a giant when you first saw him on WCW and WB screens, for example. Size of the ring, size of the arenas, whatever. Rhino was possibly, the, I love Rhino, but then the first time he debuted in WB, you were like, oh, Rhino. Rhino's just a mid-sized guy when he'd <laughs> just been presented as like this Godzilla in mm. ECW. Um, Takeshita ha- would look big, as would probably like a Hangman Page, would look big in a WWE ring. And there are so many wrestlers that would look even smaller in a WWE, like and Garcia and uh, Sammy Guevara, two of those. they they don't need their size, but they would certainly look undersized in mm. WWE and having Takeshita be able to look 10 foot tall compared to them to get to be this like, this a guy with Kevin Nash height, but Kenny Omega ability is the platonic ideal of a pro wrestler probably. <laughs> and they've got it in Takeshita and AEW. favorite wrestler. Yeah, like, <laughs> he's perfect for them. He's absolutely perfect for this company. Uh, and I don't know if that was another reason why Chris Jericho felt overwhelmed in this because his work didn't look great or as smooth. And nor should it, you know, age and all that aside. But his acting was kind of cringeworthy when you've got somebody having a lot of fun out there. We should have watched it last week. Which is what to catch what Jericho. Uh, well, I oh always, boy, yeah. I always think of the there was the time when he was trying to win Trish back in WWE, and he's like leaning up against the door, and it's that like one sided rom com thing. And it's like I just don't want these feelings to stop. And it's like, oh, Chris, don't give up your day job, mate. And then in a year's time, he did, and it was like, oh, that's what I came back to his day job. <laughs> like, uh, I just don't think he's that. And there's a lot of things he is. It's Chris Jericho. There's so many things he is. Mm. He's not. He's, Do you know melodrama? No. Do you think that's because Trish Stratus was holding out for the pain maker? Like, what if he falls in love? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They'd only break up and then look at the damage he caused. I don't, as well, I was talking to Sage this morning. Like, this feels like it's set up. Like, sorry to step on your dick here, but then they have the dramatic bit backstage with Daddy Magic and there's going to be a... Oh, let's talk about it now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He said there's going to be a mandatory meeting of the JAS. Right, mandatory meeting is the latest. Oh, God, I cannot. Jericho, <laughs> you know... And it's alliteration, I've just realised, yeah. <laughs> Jericho thing generator, like the latest one's going in. That's and This yeah. feels very much like, you know... I feel very strongly, Chris, that we're better than ever. Which means Jericho's a baby face going against Will Ospreay as a heel in England. We discussed this on the preview yesterday. If, in fact, and it's Fightful Select, they're always incredible with their info and It's Jericho. The match feels real. It's the most Jericho match of all. Jericho, if he does face Will Ospreay, is there a, a body part that, that Chris Jericho could focus on? And then how would, if we can picture our, ourselves all in in a few weeks, Sige, how would Will Ospreay sell the um, body part isolation? Oh, my f***ing neck! We were kind of the last guys to work f***ing necks. 
What came next? Oh yeah, sorry, prior to that. <laughs> f your neck. <laughs> Go f your neck. <laughs> so prior to that. We uh, go backstage. Uh, Tony Khan says, "Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks everyone watching the 200th episode of Dynamite. Uh, we're on the road to All In at Wembley Stadium in London, which is, I think, in just over. Nine days. Uh, it's going to be the biggest wrestling event of all time, and we got a, a great video package highlighting some of the best Dynamite moments. Sid, I asked you this yesterday. Obviously, didn't get the chance to ask you. What's some of your favourite moments of Dynamite over the years?" Brodie Lee and Cody Rhodes match one on that Saturday Night Dynamite is I think the best yeah. thing the company's ever done. Lidden and Devonair, I loved. Um, Paige turn on the books and the gauntlet leading to the big thing backstage where Paige... That's the best booking they've ever done. That's probably, isn't it? Yeah, with the gauntlet, with the rankings, the whole deal. Like in 2020, in a pandemic, making you think, I would rather pay $50 to watch FTR on the books rather than have it for free on television. Yeah. Like, expert. Mm. They made... Yeah, I, they made dailies there, like Madison Square Garden in that era, and that's not really changed. I've, no, I've probably not watched Rampage this week, but I would like to attend <laughs> if I was in Jacksonville. I would love to go to Daly's place. For, is it, what's going on there? Is it live, or was it taped? Uh, or they're just doing that one different? It feels like they're doing that one different because they happen to be in Florida, and it's theirs, isn't it? So mm. I, like, I thought, I assume that when they announced the match they did later on, they just fancied doing a live Rampage because that sounds like a big I, deal. I don't it, know. I don't though. know. I don't know, yeah. Should um, research this? What else? What else? Like, the punk MJF feud as a whole, it's yeah. easy to then, like, ignore the individual segments, but the week of the MJF bloodying him up was a dynamite, wasn't it? I, that was an honorable mention for me. Like, pulling the chain out of the box, be my Valentine. Like, there's, like the first time, the, the less famous Miz. Like, mm. so, so, like, Wardlow, the Wardlow-Punk match, where he's giving him the, the 10 power bombs, stuff like that, that was all, like, dynamite greatness. Dynamite's been class. Mm. Like, I was, I, let's, just like, not last night. Just not last night. Like, but, I, but it's this is it. It's awesome. Like what a what a legacy. Yeah. Like Britain. It's the best Rosa. TV yeah. best wrestling TV show ever. It's again like you have Hide to of pretending like it isn't. You, you have to earn like your nostalgia points ultimately. And they absolutely have because hang on, Paige taking off the staple of marshmallow man head. Oh yeah. Like in, in the Halloween match. Like when this is hot, it's it's the best that there's ever been. And I think, by the way, because yes, you know, you're, useless, yes, you're far better at this than <laughs> you two of me. I was like, I can't remember what happened last week, barely. Um, but I've thought of a few. Cody Rhodes getting whipped. You oh, always love yeah. that. Still, I still, one of those things I go back and watch every year, basically. Oh, oh the hand God. gesture from uh, from Wardlow. Shaq. Shaq's match. Oh, man, yeah. It was great. Your combined responses are so fed-pilled. <laughs> I like the celebrities and the costumes. And a lot of people sent Wrestling this. Wrestling at its best. <laughs> a lot of people sent this to us on Twitter after we were debating it, saying, how did you forget to mention this? And, of course, it is worthy of a mention. It's one of the greatest... Most memorable debuts in AEW history. I'm talking about Mickey Gooch, of course. <laughs> it's was, the Gooch. It's Tyson in the Gooch. There was way too much Tyson in that video package, wasn't there? What did like, he say? He's buried he, them, you know. He loves it. Like, obviously, like Jericho or Tony Carter, somebody loves it because it was all over this it video. It's so weird. Like, he's come out and said, I'd rather be with WWE. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> if they The only thing that was missing, it was like, oh, there's the Young Bucks. Here's, yeah, like you say, Britt Baker and the Rosa, Mike Tyson. Hang on, page. Ridiculous. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Jack Perry's there in the ring with uh, Tony Schiavone. Sid, you want to remind us one of your favourite um, AW moments involving Tony Schiavone? Hey, Schiavone, you fat prick! <laughs> <laughs> this is what Jungle Boy's coming. Get him. No, you know. You know what <laughs> Here's what Jungle Boy's got coming to him. <laughs> it, was, it was just the fact that it echoed because he all so, over so quiet. a closed set Daly's place with that wonderful MGF baritone. 
It's like the humiliation was so stark. Was it in the um, Wheelie Uta face-off where he pushed him over? Was it the same night where, like, MJF and Wheelie Uta, someone had the idea. You know what Wheelie Uta needs is to go, like, toe-to-toe with MJF on the microphone. It was Grand Slam, I think. Grand Slam, was it? Yeah. yeah. Like, he ethered him. Obviously, he did. And then pushed Shivani on his ass. <laughs> good. Sting's debut was pretty good as well. Sting, yes, I should mention of course, that. yeah. Um, so yeah, here's Jack Perry, grabs the mic out of his hand and says, Jolene, come out and take your ass kicking like a man. Uh, Good. Mm. Jolene walks out on the stage. Lovely reaction for him, of course. He says, I'm not going to get out to the ring and make an example out of you, jungle boy, because uh, that's going to be child abuse. And there isn't a doctor alive that is going to clear me with all the nuts and bolts in my neck, basically. So I called a friend of mine who wrestled in ECW and still wrestles today. Fans get the jump on this but they weren't ready for Walk by Pantera to drop. <sighs> oh, my God. Yeah. 22 years I worked out since he appeared on a mainstream wrestling show with that theme. God damn it, man. Yeah. Like, I always liked the WWE Jimmy Hart one. I thought and he, yeah. Van Damme seemed fairly content with it, and it seemed to work. They're never going to pay for it. Nah, yeah, but... Never uh, do the cheap bastards. <laughs> something else. Like, and, like, Tony Khan smartly, having lived through so many of those ECW shows cut it to make it TV ready because Van Damme used to milk that. Yeah. Like his entrance used to be as long as a sandwich. It never gets talked about as much. No. But like he would spend ages in the fans just pointing at himself. I'm great. I like Van Damme in that era. I really am the best. He believed it. Loved it. So RVD walks down to the ring, stares out Jack Perry who bails, uh, does the Rob Van Damme stuff, gets celebrates with Jerry Lynn uh, who thankfully gives him the heads up that uh, Jack Perry's about to swing a chair at him. RVD dodges, swings a big kick at him, and Jack Perry not only bails, not only bails into the crowd, but bails into the crowd and hides behind a child. Right, that's incredible. They're, this is the first time where I thought yeah, there might be something in this Jack yeah. Perry character. Change the theme, like yeah, practice. Oh my god, it's so Ooh. weird. We've been talking about that for weeks. Yeah, it's so strange. What's Pro- a, what's? A, am I missing a connection? I don't. I don't know. I, we were. Everyone was mystified when he came out to Beethoven. Absolutely mystified. I forget we were. Like workshop and what should his actual theme be? Because this does not fit at all, and we couldn't arrive at it. I'm sorry, I've forgotten the Twitter follower who's suggested it. Pop the office with this though. Sunglasses at night. Oh, yeah, like that's his douchey uh-huh. kind of deal that he should have. I really like the segment, like to a shocking degree, because I was uh, scrolling idly through X last night. I'm thinking, all right, okay, I can't friggin' wait to watch Five Star Wrestling Presents All In at Wembley Stadium. <laughs> what are these rumors? Grado Jarrett. What? Hell of a setup on TalkSport, apart from the... the RVD the versus Jack Perry, one-on-one at Wembley. What? And then he presses walk.wav, and I'm right, okay. Main event, <laughs> if anything. Like, this is why I just love Tony Khan. Just for the love of the game, he'll use his money to do cool things. WWE should have been doing licensed music for years and years and years for their entrances instead of taking the cheapest route imaginable. Like, it's still unacceptable how bad those WWE themes are Mm -hmm. when that's kind of the the thing that this company does. It's all about presentation and entrances. Um, Jack Perry... Hiding in front of a child. It's just absolutely great. Like, this is the best thing they've done. And I'll tell you what as well. One of the reasons, like, I was a bit apprehensive about the RVD thing. Mercifully, it doesn't look like they're doing an RVD singles match at Wembley, which I was really, yeah, really cross at. Um, But 
I one of the reasons why I was worried is that Rob Van Dam, I've seen him recently in MP4 form. He's 52 years old. That kick. Yeah. He looks like he's been doing his yoga. Well, I kind of I didn't know about the rumoured Wembley match. So I thought this was a little one-off bit of fun. So I liked this until I saw the match graphic next week because of that specifically. Him missing that kick was, for me, the equivalent of, like, Sabu going through the table at double or nothing. It's like, that's how much you can do. Get the hell out of there. Like, I don't need to see anymore. Like, I'm, I'm not really interested in the match. I would have rather this been Jack Perry runs from ECW Legends every week and there's some... Glorious payoff where he gets locked in the Taz mission and that signals the return of Hook or something. You know, I, like the, I it's, think it's Taz that gets his hands on him, but we're getting the match. And I think know. that we'll... Obviously, it's happening next week and not at all in. Correct decision. I think it's going to lead to some kind of party match with mm-hmm. maybe a couple more ECW guys or maybe RVD and Hook. I suggested the Sandman in the office this morning <laughs> so he could get into Sandman at Wembley Stadium. Like... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't know what Metallica charged, but WWE have used them. So, and then he paid for Europe, didn't he? That was the big one for, yeah. da- for Brian yeah. Danielson. So he's been willing to drop coin on the biggies, and this is the biggest ever. Mm. Oh, maybe this is going to be great, actually. Jack Aye. Perry versus ECW, that's pretty funny. I was, it's, again, it's licensed themes just do something to me, because I was saying, I was complaining last week, like, oh, God, ECW. I was complaining yesterday. It's like, yeah, I loved it, but... It's been cannibalized to death, this reboot and nostalgia culture surrounding ECW mm. that I thought was such hack <laughs> for Tony Khan to do it. And then I hear the first riff of walk and I'm thinking, right, okay. Get Tommy Dreamer. Actually, no. <laughs> what would that sound nuts. What would he say uh, to maybe hype up that match? Because I was thinking about other ECW legends, Sabu. You know. yeah, what would Tommy Dreamer say if he was really wanting to announces passion about ECW in defiance of mm. Jack Perry. EC fucking W! That's Pyro going off. Oh, thank goodness. Video package on Tony Storm and Hikaru Shida for the uh, Women's World Title match. It's going to be in the main event tonight. Huh? Excalibur. It's fitting that it's going to be in the main event. Is it? Is it? Like that? that fits about as well as, uh, I don't know, it's a terrible wrestling attire pamphlet. Uh, Ill-fitting wrestling attire. Oddly enough, Van Damme's barely legal one that he paid tribute to with his little vest because at barely legal he has Lance Storm with those terrible chair shots. Yeah. He didn't wear his black undershorts uh, and it rode up like Armour Johnson's hungry <laughs> bum. And you're like, oh, I'm seeing too much. It's like riddling the trunks now. It's like I'm seeing too much of your legs. He's got, only a few he's, extra he's got a great physique though, Rob Van Damme. Yeah. But he had one. Oh, he still, like that was my creator wrestler gear was the Van Damme singlet. Really? Yeah. Everyone was, was, everyone was obsessed with the airbrush Rock back on. in that day. Everyone was obsessed with that airbrush. Yeah. Uh, for those of you asking, by the way, just a quick heads up for later. Oh, well, the women main event. Does that mean that ladies' night's over? No! No, no, no! We'll get into it later. Uh, you hear that? It's, yeah, it's Matt Hardy, isn't it? He ruins something later on. Don't worry. We'll get to Matt. We always fucking do. <laughs> That's the, the Tony Comp, you know, what he used to say with the Shane McMahon. What's Shane doing at WrestleMania? What's Matt Hardy doing this week? That gif that did the rounds. I think it was Christian on Scott Steiner in Impact in TNA, where he goes to slam his head against the mat, and he like Steiner does it for himself because Christian just doesn't move his hand. My heart did that five times in a row. No, he's right right. Like, useless. Useless. <laughs> and I forget who he was even attacking. Like it might have been Jay Lee. I can't remember, but like it might have even been Jeff Jarrett. The two of them, different postcodes. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> different planets, man. <laughs> 
universe, and that's okay. It's the human race, but I ain't running. <laughs> I'm just relaxing. I'm standing on the ramp doing this <laughs> instead of helping you, Matt. <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I felt a bit guilty watching the next match because... They proper went for it in this anything goes three way, and I couldn't have given less of a toss if I'm honest. It was John Moxley, Penel Zero Miedo, uh, and Trent Barretta, and it was a wild match. But also, it was really ironic that me and you were sat here yesterday going, Yeah, for all the people do the low hanging fruit of like, Oh, God, AW, they're just stood big spots and did it on every match as a bloody destroyer. We sat here yesterday, we're like, I can't remember the last destroyer. They went bonkers here. When was the last time they did a destroyer on Dynamite out of curiosity? Don't know. I like nothing, none spring to mind of late. I would feel like it would be an attack. I, see, trios, I can't remember I can't, seeing one. Yeah. And then I, I missed them. Mm. And I got them. Yeah, you got well, you got the kind of like the smaller version of the Penta ladder flipping pile. On, on, on uh, Matt Jackson. Yeah. The good Matt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Trent immediately takes out Moxie with a dive, uh, and Penta does one as well to kick things all off. Uh, he nails Moxley, does Penta with a trash can shot, and Beretta. Um, but uh, he's showing off for too long doing his zero miedo thing. Moxie hits a cutter and gets a barbed wire two by four. No messing about. But before he could use it, Penta hits a backstabber. Beretta breaks up the pin. Moxley takes Beretta down and slices him open with the with the two before. Uh, hits a pile driver onto it, which looks like it hurt him more than it did Trent at one point. Um, Beretta comes back, though, back suplex onto the barbed wire, and Penta and Alex Abrahantes set up tables ringside. Beretta's busted open. Uh, he gets put on the tables, but uh, Penta gets cut off uh, by Moxley and barbed wire. Um, and so there's a big superplex on Moxley through the tables to take us to a break. Uh, when we come back, Beretta wants to superplex Penta through another table, but Penta counted into a bonkers avalanche destroyer through the table. Oh, yeah. Quite right. Uh, Moxley gets Penta up and tackles him through another table that's been set up to shut up all those idiot fans who chant about it all the time. 
Uh, Moxley goes under the ring, gets the bag of thumbtacks, empties that out, and rips off Penta's shirt just in case that would provide any form of protection. Um, they trade finishers. Moxie hits a pile driver onto the tax for two. Uh, there's a flipping suplex onto the tax as well. And uh, Moxie gets Beretta with a cutter onto the tax, which again <laughs> looks like he ate quite as bad as Trent did as well. Beretta counters a pile driver, hits Moxie with a crunchy onto the tax. Uh, Penny just chucks a trash can in to uh, break the pinfall up. Uh, Barrera eats a King Kong Lariat into the tax. Moxley and Penta are there. Moxley hits a paradigm shift on Penta, um, but Barrera flies in with a knee, picks up the scraps, pins Penta one, two, three. I simultaneously really enjoyed the back half of this match and yet can absolutely see why people weren't huge on it. Um, it didn't have that really violent tone and energy, that sense of like carnage and danger. It got there at the end for me. I just enjoyed watching a destroyer. Simple man, sometimes simple pleasures. And they genuinely, despite all the memes and the bad faith criticisms, have not done like that kind of thing for like longer than you'd think. This is big dumb fun when I'd expect from Penta and Mox something way more Wild West than I got here. It felt a little bit more... I'd not regimented, I guess, than I thought it would. Mm. And my prevailing sort of that pervasive undercurrent of thought that nags at you when you know you're watching something that you quite liked and really liked at the finish but was nowhere near where it could be is Moxley is above all of this. He's absolutely above all of this. It's weird that he, he didn't get pinned, but it's weird that John Moxley on the eve of All In is losing a match that Trent Barretta is also involved in. I understand why. I do feel like it's that indirect uh, indirect, route, that tiki-taka mm. style that he sometimes <laughs> likes to go where it's very, you need to go here, to go here, to go here, to go here, to go here. You're not just, like, just route one. Moxley's got evident problems with Orange Cassidy. Can he not articulate them for a few weeks and then do double juice mayhem at Wembley? Mm. Um, it's weird as well, like that. Um, Moxley did not blade. Mm. And the only hot blood in here was Hardway. They were doing close-ups and everything, so it's not as if they were like, oh, we're not allowed to do that anymore. But it was just odd that Moxley didn't blade. Maybe if this match happened in 2021, it would look way more gruesome. But Do you reckon they maybe had a word and said, can, like you said, the Hardway stuff is, what, is one thing, but because of what was coming later... Well, that's what I was about to get to. Maybe with the idea of that Nick Wayne visual when they did the close-up of the canvas looked horrific. So maybe this is... The good byproduct of that um, apparent mm. internal band list, where it's like we need it to look very much like this horrific thing that you can't really normalize. Um, but then why book this match on that show? So they haven't arrived at the correct, elegant solution. I hope it's that because it would be nice to think of this like more disciplined agent in coming in. That's what I like out of wrestling as discipline. I'm joking. The, and the Nick Wayne thing was really effective, so maybe that was happening subconsciously. I didn't like this match one bit. The one spot I enjoyed was the only time it felt like it wasn't this very generic plunder brawl I've seen a million times, and it was Moxley spearing Penta through mm -hmm. the table. Yeah. That felt opportunistic. Yes. There's a table there, and that's what John Moxley is. He's in his comfort zone here, and he's like, I love that. He stood there. Contrast that. from that and the Destroyer as well. Yeah. like And, and every... Big spot, truthfully. You know, like, the, this was all very set it up, do it, move on to the next one. 
a waste of my time ultimately because this was like the maybe the most violent match to build a match I've ever seen. Like match to build a match booking is boring and roll and WWE have done it forever, but typically it's three minutes in a roll up. They're killing themselves out there and like abyss normalized um tax. And they had it last week, don't forget. So this is a match to build a match to build a match, technically. I didn't even see they that. They had a tag with three It was Lucha Bros. Oh, the tag yeah. version of this to yeah. build yeah, the parking lot. And the parking lot brawl is a nice thing for to set up on a two hundredth dynamite and you know, like all my best, like I think best friends, like there's more like nepotism allegations that should be held against them than there are against the likes of Cutie Marshall and Brandy Rhodes when she was in AEW. <laughs> Come on, but they are where they are. <laughs> well, then, you know, I think that they're f- because they're mates, not because of their ability or their like their enduring quality. How, to how many people over. did we see in best friends merch in Vegas? Oh, too many. And like, <laughs> but that but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, take it off. This was Moxley's star power being diminished. Aye. Rather than jo- and that's so. There's my well. I don't think it's just my take on best friends. I think him being in a match that involves Trent winning and Penta. To be honest, well, Lucha Brothers are just violence for hire guys. They're not given really serious stuff to do. They're there. They're rolled out when they're needed, and it's like the, all they, of them have earned their place. But Moxley doesn't belong anywhere near them. And as well, like I, I, we've not spoken about this, I guess, because this has all been built while I was off. Why doesn't John Moxley and Orange Cassidy feel like a dream match? It's the most on-paper dream match that I feel nothing for. Like, Cassidy comes out, and I'm looking at, ah, right, a reason for all this. I can't be, I'm looking at these wrestlers. That I tweeted last night quite angrily. I'm bored and rigid with the, with the sight of so many of these wrestlers. Blackpool Combat Club feel a bit washed. Like, I've, we've had, like we were talking about this just before I went off, like, three or four feuds where it's like, is this working, really? I'm kind of bored of them. Never like best friends. Lucha Brothers, I'm instructed not to really care about unless I'm watching a bit of violence. So it's Moxley and Cassidy. There they are, the shining stars. The spotlights are on them doesn't feel big time, and I don't know why. Well, I don't know if you watched it because you were away. This all started from a absolute boilerplate angle at the close of Pac Claudio, a death before dishonor, wherefore, and it continued to attack mm-hmm. um, Pac after the bell, Yuta and Claudio. This summoned um, Death so, Triangle yeah. to help Pac, and the best friends just came out <laughs> I think stemming from I don't know it was just it doesn't feel like this direct I philosophically cannot stand you Orange Cassidy for reasons my character should make obvious let's articulate those reasons and build a big time serious singles match it just feels like a very Tony Khan approach this is where there's time you know we are talking before about well there's this many dynamites left or whatever this is where there's time we've had weeks where there's been a build where a match has been announced on a Sunday and we're like oh is Swerve going to beat Orange Cassidy? Is Jeff Jarrett going to beat Orange Cassidy? And you come up with all these reasons why these wrestlers might do it. And we fear for it because we love this reign and what Orange Cassidy's done with it. Of all people, I should be terrified that John Mox is going to end this mm. reign. Terrified, at Wembley no less. They'll get there. This needs an angle. This cannot just be group matches and my friends don't like your friends. Mm. This needs something because this should be the easiest thing on paper to have me scared that John Moxley, who almost never loses, is now having to absorb that he lost a page. He effectively lost a page again because he surrendered for Utah in the same way. He's pissed off and he's acting out and he's lost his friendship with Eddie Kingston. I should be terrified for Orange Cassidy's title. And I don't feel anything for this feud. No. They need to do something. I'd have booked it. On paper, this is great. This is a Wembley yeah. match. Like, proper cornerstones. the Like, real pillars. Mm. If we're still going to use that verbiage. The, I need, we need an angle. Need something proper, I think. Well, speaking of angles, post-match, Moxie grabs a rear naked choke. Claudio and Wheeler come down. But here come Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. Um, 
Beretta comes flying off the top as BCC are brawling with Cassidy and Taylor to wipe them all out. BCC bail. Cassidy nails Moxley with an orange punch and he stumbles out of the ring. Uh, Taylor gets on the mic and says, well, this didn't accomplish anything. Uh, so how about, let's have a bare knuckle fight then. We'll fight Moxley and Claudio. Uh, a parking lot fight. Yay! On Rampage. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I love about Dynamite. And I thought it was such an inspired, cool detail to put on the 200th episode. Honestly, some of my favorite Dynamite moments ever are Excalibur running down next week's card just before the main event. I can't believe I'm watching something so great. And then next week is going to be even better. I don't know if it was a conscious choice or if Tony Khan realizes how much people love that aspect of Dynamite and love it as a tradition. Um, but the idea of doing a sequel to one of the best matches in Dynamite history and announcing it on Dynamite was just like, oh, it's going to get even better. Um, I don't know if that ma- that match will not be as good. Like it, it was, it wasn't place and time, but it also was. It's like, how can you do something so great from this situation? It'll, I think it'll be violent and probably slightly more charmless. But I still love the idea behind doing it. Sue. So- is going to rock up and that'll get a nice pop, like middle finger out the van or whatever. Are proud and powerful mates again, and could they sneak out of They're a car? Could they jump the, out of a car and attack on the roster page? Yeah, they, but you cannot take AEW's roster like website seriously. <laughs> It'd just be a cool way to introduce them, wouldn't it? Like reintroduce them. They jump them like in the place where they were beaten in this classic. Like it's an, uh, if we're doing like nostalgic callbacks, this yeah. match that people loved, that'd be one way to bring them back and give them something hot for Wembley. Well, best friends, but hot in relative terms. RVD's backstage with Renee Paquette. Uh, he's been hearing Jack Perry run his mouth about ECW. Uh, he challenges Perry for the FTW title and says, I'm going to win it and retire it, basically, uh, because it doesn't get any bigger than Rob Van Dam. I thought this was rubbish. Yeah, he's not very good at a promo, is he? Nah. <laughs> he didn't look like he was there. It's weird. I understand why they've done RVD. It's all incredibly basic of, we need an ECW legend to, you know, passionately... You know, defend the company against this guy who's disrespecting their business. <laughs> OVD doesn't have passion. That's his gimmick. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it works on paper, but then when you get him to do the promo, he just doesn't give a toss. He's OVD. <laughs> Those three letters are stretched a lot when it well, like, when it comes to yeah. ECW nostalgia. Like I don't like bringing his name up on a podcast, but I remember once an ECW rules match on Raw, Chris Benoit and Tajiri. Like you were both there, weren't you? Get out there and hit each other <laughs> in the chair. Yeah. Like that was ECW rules featuring legends from the arena. Completely different areas of ECW. Yeah. It was maybe like a table or a steel chair using the match, which we've seen a billion hardcore matches. Yeah. One of them just went there for a bit. Yeah. It's like we're back in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right then, out comes the world champion, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, a man who uh, once said this about our podcast. One of the only professional wrestling podcasts that's actually worth a f- wrong um where's a lie he comes out to a great reaction gets a bit emotional talks about having add uh, and gets an add chant and says wish wish some of our teachers had been like that towards it and talks about rsd rejection sensitive disorder i think it was uh his brain structure different he can't regulate rejection based emotions or behaviors making life difficult um so, you know, he, uh, and reiterates this later on, he often stabs people in the back before they have a chance to do it to him. Um, he says there's a lot about his past that fans don't know. A lot of it, he's, he's kind of blocked out. Um, talks about being bullied as a child and that story about people throwing quarters at him. Um, he says there's no way to live, though, now. 
He said, uh, I ended up being a scumbag. Being a scumbag's easy. It's easy to get fans to boo me. What is hard is being vulnerable and open, but he's not scared anymore. He's got fans. These fans have got have got sympathy for the devil. Um, he's realized that people do care about Max. Look, he's not going to change overnight. He's still, our, uh, still a scumbag, but he's ready to be our scumbag. And the fans chant that. Um, and he says, there's one person that taught me uh, that living with hate in my heart is no way to live at all. And he brings out his best friend at the time, Adam Cole, baby. Adam Cole walks out. Uh, no, no, no music or anything like that. Just says he appreciates MJF sharing his story um, and appreciates the man he's become. He's not alone. He says, look, I was a jerk for years because I was scared. Um, but Max, you're becoming the man you're destined to be. Deep down, there's a good guy in there. Uh, I'm proud of you. We are all proud of you. MJF thanks him for performing verbal fellatio on him. He says, don't worry, I'm still a scumbag. Um, and he says, look, I got you out here, Adam, because I uh, I made a promise. I promised to give you a shot at the AW World title, and I've decided you don't deserve the match. <gasps> you d- No, you don't deserve a match. I bollocked it up. You don't deserve a match. <laughs> you deserve the match. Um, in front of the most historic crowd, the most historic night, the main event, Wembley Stadium, all in... Hands Adam Cole the contract, which he doesn't read. A lot of people have speculated off the back of that. Uh, Cole signs it. They love each other. They hug. We have an all-in main event set. And then, grumpy Roderick Strong, man, I'm not happy about this. <laughs> have you not seen this bed? He's smashing the place up. And uh, great to see Matt Taven uh, and Mike Bennett on uh, AW Dynamite. They walk up and just go, oh, classic Cole, always forgetting about his real friends. Like, what a pop. Like, the reveal of Strong first, because that went from, and it still is, a really important storyline detail that allows you to ask more questions of where M- what MJF is doing here. But they know how funny it is and how memeable it is and how everybody's having both kinds of fun with it. So they're giving you both kinds of fun. This could one day be a very serious detail, but right now it's just really, really funny. Strong's nailing it. He's this incredibly versatile performer that went underused by WWE for years and is showing it in, what, like four months? He's had a classic match, genuinely classic match, mm-hmm. and is doing this. He's got the lot and they wasted it. So that's great to see. Really funny. The Kingdom thing is not not interesting. Mm. Like, uh, more people are suddenly rounding on Adam Cole, which, if he is turned on, like, after all of this, suddenly has no mates and more enemies than he had, so this has gone horribly wrong for Cole. MJF was brilliant. My takeaway from this, like, loved it, and, like, Sidgwick's got a great point about the all-in-main event, which I won't step on, I don't think. Well, don't. I'll try not to. <laughs> what I loved about this setup was the MJF, when he fooled CM Punk, didn't fool us. Yeah. That week when Punk comes a out. A little bit for me. Li- but when Punk comes out, is this true? And then he's doing the, and then the following week, like the, I don't think you were designed to be fooled. You were designed to, I, c- I cannot wait to see how far MJF takes this before mm. the, the, fi- the fix is in, right? I think this really puts over Adam Cole because he, MJF, believes now that he's got to fool us too. Mm. And I don't know where this is. I love that I don't know where it's going. But after the revi- the FTR match, which was goaded, mm-hmm. um, you felt, are we just watching the baby face turn here? And the fact that he's got me asking that question has got me thinking, well, has he got me fooled this time? Because that makes Adam Cole even smarter than CM Punk. So what a cool sideways way to put Adam Cole in. The guy's a sweetheart, by the way. Mm. What a way to put him over even more to say, I respect your intellect even more than the punkers. So I'm going to have to fool them as well as fooling you. And then Cole creates this tension by allowing you to think, I he should respect my intellect because I might turn on him too. The hug where he's got the balled up fist after yeah. MJF says, stab him in the back. Cole has said all along he knows what he's doing, and we know of Adam Cole's history. There's people now in the kingdom telling you that he does this. 
It's phenomenal. I cannot figure it out. I love that I can't figure it out. I don't know if the War of 2024 is a thing anymore, but I kind of hope it is, because now you've got title unification stuff lingering in the background with Punk. And again, the only person CM Punk likes is Adam Cole. He's not going to like him now that he's, you know, appears to be friendly with MJF. The moving parts, the tendrils, all of it. And the match is going to kick ass, because the Dynamite match ruled. So they've already shown you and told you that you can rely on the mm. quality of the match. Flawless stuff for me, this. Yeah, on a personal thing as well, um, it's going to be a bit of a football reference here, so some fans may not get this, but I just really like seeing, you know, Max, as I call him, uh, get a, an interim best friend whilst I'm off, you know, doing daddy duties. Sid, your thoughts? We only did interim titles, like, for an entire year, <laughs> dickhead. I think, the, I think the base gets the reference. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is absolute uh, perfection. Yeah. Like, the tension... Is absolutely out of this world. I've no idea where it's going. They've told this story so well that there is going to be a turn. At this point, I don't know who it's going to be. Is it going to be the guy's handful of points out? I oh, just watch the TV. He doesn't know this master plan I'm concocting. Or is it going to be the guy who has said all along, "I am the snake, I am the devil." Um, tell you one thing that really annoys me. I sort of few um, takes along these lines on Twitter of, oh, he always does this. Oh, he's doing this one again. One? Yes. <laughs> he's telling the story of a character, and he's so consistent within the portrayal, this is MJF, that he's trying to convey the idea that he's had this genuine life, this interior life, and if you're going to remember anything and keep going back to it, what is it? Trauma. Of course he's going to like continue to maintain that plot thread. It's the sort of thing you actually cannot shake. Jesus Christ, I wish people would get a clue. I really wish they <laughs> would. Um, another thing that I loved about this is that um, Adam Cole is the perfect person to play this storyline. Just absolute perfection. Because if you're MJF, and I love how he's again the, the credibility behind all of this, like he's disclosed the old um, Twitter or Instagram posts of who he wanted to wrestle. Mm. Did you see the one where, on when he was at wrestling school, he said, who would you like to face? Past, present, future, even if it feels impossible. And Adam Cole was on that list. Oh, great. So you can believe that he was genuinely a mega fan of Adam Cole. What did he call him on his own list? He gave him a stupid name, you know, Edward. With his broken brain or something. Right, like that. something like yeah. that, wasn't it? Like soft head Adam or something like that. Yeah. Um, so what I love about this as well is that if there's any professional wrestling character with, um, what's it, RSD, mm -hmm. that you believe that MGF can get past that with, it's Adam Cole, who is known as the absolute nicest guy in all the pro wrestling, and literally everybody loves him. So you can believe that that must include MGF. It helps that their on-screen chemistry is absolutely fantastic. Of mm -hmm. course it is. Um, but if this is the babyface turn, it makes so much sense that you believe that MGF would um, gravitate towards Cole and mm -hmm. embrace him. If this is Adam Cole going to be the one to turn, then what a complete dickhead. <laughs> what an incredible launch pad to the turn. And if it's MGF who turns, how has he done this again? Yeah. <laughs> how has he done this again and made you believe that? Oh, he's going to be a babyface this time. Like, they've told this so perfectly that whoever turns, it makes sense. And whoever turns, you'll never guess. 
and whoever turns, there'll be a major emotional impact one way or the other. It's been incredible. If MJF turns, and he's basically, well, I've outsnaked the greatest snake, and then the greatest snake is CM Punk, he's like, no, you haven't. There's there, like, more the reason for being, like, the, how dare you be the real devil when I always thought it was me. And you get all the way back to Punk saying he's still trying to be, trying to be the good guy, even when now we're kind of seeing him be the bad guy. I cannot wait for the like every development mm. in this story and the ones that it's setting up going forward. The Strong in the Kingdom thing is so interesting, even though it was played for laughs. Was it uh, on Rampage? Um, the Kingdom were in action last week, and I was like, I- "That's out of nowhere." No, it isn't. They're yeah. bringing them back into the forefront here. Mm. Uh, then we got the uh, mad graphic that dropped uh, just a few days ago and got but the, both of you two very excited. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, newly re-signed Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, I should say, uh, versus Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, and Satnam Singh with Sanjay Dutton and Karen Jarrett, of course. Um, you obviously have the best wrestler in the world start things off with Kenny Omega. Uh, Jarrett hits an early body. Yeah. I've just stolen your thing from yesterday the there. face-off was incredible. Though. I'm so glad they started the match so you got the split second in together. Uh, how's, that's AEW, by the way. That's like masterpiece, impossible. S- celebrate the range. How have we how we done this? How have we created a platform where this is a it's thing? Like bent time and space, yeah. almost. <laughs> yeah, like genuinely. Uh-huh. Uh, Jarrett hits a body slam, does the old Fargo strut, brings in Lethal, uh, but he gets uh, taken out by the books, and so they bring in Satnam Singh. Matt Jackson's all fired up and realizes his mistake. Goes to his corner. Omega and Nick Jackson want no part of this. In come the Bucks, though. Multiple drop kicks on uh, Satnam until he just hits a crossbody to wipe them both out. And they do the elite pose to go to break. Really nice. Really nice stuff. Oh, my God. Nick Jackson, after we come back, gets the hot tag to Omega. Uh, he hits Lethal with You Can't Escape, but Lethal gets the knees up on the moonsault and uh, with Satnam Singh running a distraction. He tries the Lethal Injection on the books, but uh, they drop Lethal and Jack with super kicks and sort of chop down Satnam Singh with several super kicks until Omega can nail him with a V-trigger. He signals for the one-winged angel. Karen Jarrett takes the ref. Sanjay Dot uh, cuts off Kenny Omega. There's a lethal con- combination on Omega, but Brandon Cutlass gets involved and sprays cold spray in the face of Karen Jarrett. Then we got the uh, run-in to, uh, I don't know, even out the numbers, I suppose. Here come the Hardy Boys. No! No, no, no! Jeff even got a few deletes in whatsoever they were trying to fight off. <laughs> Duh. Jarrett's going to do good guitar hey, shots. When you were talking about abandoning space and time, we need to have more conversations, man. You get, <laughs> you get it, brother. You finally get no, it. You're all right, Jeff. You're all right, Jeff. <laughs> Jarrett's going to guitar shot Omega. Hangman Page appears, though. Buckshot Lariat. Lethal tries to get a guitar shot of his own, but he hits a V trigger and the one winged angel for the one, two, three. Post match, Omega gives. Uh, tell him, Hanger, gives him the microphone. And they reiterate that they've re signed with AEW, and Omega says, hey, We'll be everywhere, whether it be Dynamite, Ring of Honor, Rampage, or even Collision. You'll be seeing more of us in AEW, and he does his goodbye and goodnight thing. I, I almost squealed when he said Collision, but beyond that, this is probably my biggest wrestling disappointment of the year. Wow. Legitimately. I'm gutted to report this. I was so, so excited for this. This was a match that had, in the offing, what, 40 silly spots, and it gave you about four. I felt this was so phoned in. Like, this was... 
the guitar, Kenny playing the guitar was really funny. Yeah. The heels doing the elite pose was really funny. Satnam being Kenny Omega is such a great sight. Yeah. Like, of all <laughs> the, people. Because the then you get Jeff doing the double bicep pose, which is funny. Like, him mixing in with the kids wrestling shouldn't work. Yeah. The Orange Cassidy stuff he was doing a little while ago. So there was so much I was excited for here that I just felt like they it was underthought. And I ultimately, like, I never expected this to be anything more than a, a nice win an exhibition win on the big celebratory dynamite. Probably no coincidence that the thing gets announced on the same day about the contracts. And it was like that element of it, I have no issue with. But I just felt like it lacked so much of the creativity that surely countless people had for this. Like I was messaging you both. Yeah. And me and Sid were firing ideas back and forth. And hardly any of which materialized. I was a bit disappointed that. So Kenny Mager's done this brilliant thing where like he's one of the best at building up giants. And I didn't really get a lot of that. Like, the books took Satnam down pretty easily, and then Kenny got him up on his own. It took him over three minutes. Well, I, I just expected so much more from the people that have so often given you mm. so much more. And I know I'm the shouting into the void, as I have been all along, about how I just, like... People say they like chaos in wrestling, and I often think that's not true. But the elite going to WWE is chaos. The books and Kenny especially... Page is just a better Drew McIntyre to WWE. That's how they would see him. Big guy, but can do cool stuff. Like he's better than Drew by miles, but and miles, but like and miles and miles. But they would just see him as a slightly better Drew, and he's American, so they were like, "Oh, our fans understand him." Like they, like they'd they'd get that. Kenny in the books, that would be so weird. Kenny would make it work, and that would be cool. Like mm-hmm. a short term thing back in EW after two years, whatever. Yeah, they need a year in NXT to get their ropes, and then yeah, absolutely, one year on the main roster. The books. Haven't been having classics in AEW for a little while. They could have them in WWE and then go again. Just wanted to have a look at it. Just wanted to have a look at it. Not going to get my wish. Not going to get my way. It's fine. It better be better than this. Mm. Like, now they've re-signed, it better get better than this. The Elite aren't having a great year. Like, I've not felt much for Hangman Page since the Moxley Revolution match, really. The Dark Order stuff's lame. If we're doing a trios match with the Dark Order at Wembley, that's a massive misuse of the Elite. Both signed new contracts on the same day. Great. Like, Kenny Omega get serious challenge. Is that the bit? Like, I just... I you get serious half the time. Half the time. Are you satisfied with half the time? Yes, because the true essence of Kenny Omega is of the serious, the profound... is the bathos of professional wrestling. I... Understand. Sublime to the ridiculous. I'm less stupid than some people, but more stupid than you when it comes to Kenny Omega. And I still want more. I want more Kenny than Young Bucks Kenny. No, I get it. No, I, I, I agree. This to me was just like, ah, you've, I feel like you could have done so much more with this. Mm. You didn't. And then we we're all to like celebrate, thank God you're staying off a match that didn't really illustrate what you're so brilliant at. And then he said collision. And I was like, Punk Omega is the biggest match in the fucking world. Mm. So thank God he's still here. Uh, I agree yeah. and disagree with what you're saying on virtually every single count. <laughs> I spoke extensively on the preview yeah. saying I want this elite saga, capital S, parked for a year. Mm. I want the Young Bucks to go out there and just grab that tag team division by the scruff of its neck and prove that they are the actual best of all time. I want that to happen. I want no Dark Order things to happen. I want Kenny Omega... They still have a loose, oh, we need a six-man, or we fancy a six-man. You can do it, mm-hmm. but not have this, the fact that they've all signed contracts together on the same day, 
package deal. It's like they're just going to keep doing this, and I'm, I need a year off. Mm. If anything, with everything in wrestling and with everything in life, it's the ultimate hack cliche. I hate myself for saying it. There is too much of a good thing, and I think we cleared that after full gear 2021. I loved the matches with um, Death Triangle, the best of seven. I loved um, Anakin the Arena 2, but at the same time, it, it is too much. But at the same time, the Young Bucks could work more classics in WWE than AEW. Asinine take, I'm sorry about that. Sorry to report. Um, factually, objectively, sorry to Blamed. report. Blame the Young Bucks for frigging Matt and Jeff being out there. No place out there. And it's oh, yeah, and no, the place afforded. I hate them. I hate them for the that. place afforded to them by the young bucks. I hate them for that. It's just <laughs> I hate them for I it. I hate them for <laughs> it. But the idea that they could do ten slow minutes with the Usos and then eight exciting ones, mm. yeah, terrible. Yeah, Usos would take them to school in two minutes. Oh, yeah. Shut up, man. Then Owens can teach my work. The whole deal, the whole package. Imagine Alpha Academy and the young bucks. Oh my god. Imagine maximum male models and the young bucks. Hey, eh? Otis doing the worm on Nick. Oh, and Matt, Matt's on his back. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up about my favorite. Like Matt's, trying, it's just Matt's, on, it's Matt's it. on his back, riding him, trying to stop him doing oh, the work, oh, and he God. splashes him anyway. Imagine that's the only Gable thing that would happen if Alpha Academy oh, became all yeah. elite. The match was fun. Did it have all of my subjective fantasy booking spots? No. Did it have the combined fantasy booking spots from someone whose favorite wrestler is Jeff Jarrett and someone's favorite wrestler is Kenny Omega? No. Did this match exist in our heads because it was the ultimate Hamlet X situation? <laughs> of course, it was not going to be anywhere near that. Satnam Singh was in it. <laughs> you are very limited in what you can do. I thought they did a commendable job. I had a smile on my face throughout until Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy turned on. <laughs> and yeah, I get that. I don't want to. I want to see the elite in AEW. There's the elite, <laughs> and then there's the elite. <laughs> You're doing the Drake meme now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think I'll just try. I've got uh, a conspiracy theory. Ooh. Okay. Using Agent Cooper's deductive technique. Looking at different things that are happening at the same time, you must pay strict attention. So here's what's happening, okay. CM Punk is not in the main event of All In. Because MGF and Adam Cole are, right? So you can take CM Punk out of that main event, okay? Fightful Select, very reputable, have reported from several New Japan sources, and they would corroborate the hell out of this thing to cover their backs because John Ross Sapp is very good at what he does. Mm -hmm. That Jericho and Osprey is set for all in in the most Chris Jericho match of all time. <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> okay? So those two things, combined with the fact that this Omega Callus thing has been parked curiously on the eve of All In, where it feels like Don Callis and Takeshita aren't ready to take on the Kenny Omega character and the Elite because they are, at the moment, assembling either on screen or in secret the Don Callis family. Only when Don Callis has his family is he prepared to go to war with the Elite. So that feels too soon for um, All In. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, if the direction is Kenny Omega versus Takeshita, what a way to ruin a match that otherwise would be like uh, otherworldly by putting Jericho in the mix in this indirect, uh, indirect route again. Mm. I can't say that word. <laughs> so I think, judging by the booking patterns, it's way too soon for Omega versus Takeshita. 
quite frankly, I love Takeshita. He's top five in the world, but he needs more build yeah. for a, such a massive match at Wembley, considering it's three weeks away. So it's MGF and Cole, and I don't, and it's not Punk in that main event. And respectfully, I don't think they're going to do a third Punk Starks match at Wembley. No, just can't see it happening. And if Osprey, who was very heavily fancied to work Omega, is preoccupied with Jericho, Punk and Omega don't fit anywhere on this card except together. No, mate, yeah. I'm sorry. I love it. I don't want to manifest it, but if you if you do apply process of elimination and you take away the other things that they could be doing, you're narrowing down your list of options and you've got them two potentially working together. Yeah. And that so when Omega went, hey, we might go on collision. I got a I got a hard on. <laughs> a hard on. What if uh, what if uh well, I suppose it could go both ways, couldn't it? What, what if, if it's uh, the elite versus the dark order? Yeah. What if Omega screws Punk out of the real world title? So Starks gets this belt to carry around and pretend like he's kind of a big deal, even though we know what it is. Um, and then that's your Punk. And that's why he's going to collision. And he's just that's it. Oh, nobody beat you for your belt. Well, Ricky Starks just beat you. So now I'll fight you. Or Punk beats Starks. And then Kenny Omega... Lights out. Trying, Kenny Omega is trying to win back that belt and wash the thing. Because I don't know if you noticed this, guys, but the X went right through the E. And I think that was a shot. So... Uh, <laughs> So that you can scrub off the X from this great belt, and and you've got Kenny and MJF because that was always mooted as a possible big MJF mm. title match, wasn't it? And he's carrying around the old belt or something. I love it, and you could then. I don't get believe it, but there's a certain logic to my process. I think it's the biggest match in wrestling. I think Punk and Omega. It's the biggest thing all of wrestling has, and I wouldn't mind another go around, especially on the same card of FTR and the Young Bucks, because I think it's interesting. You're saying about the Young Bucks going back and reclaiming. This, like not just the belts, but this idea that they're the best in the world. Because FTR are starting to have this reign that says it is still them. They had this fantastic 2022. Then it felt like nothing was happening. And then collisions occurred. And it's like, yeah, there they are. They're having this run now. It's perfect time for the Young Bucks to want to challenge them on this massive stage that's been erected. I, I am talking myself into this being... Here, just, we're getting the trios match that split into the two matches. Every single rumoured match and evident direction... This all-in card feels like it's missing that one massive thing, and I just refuse to let go of the idea that they've got something like like this in their back pocket. Yeah, it's hard. To, it's hard to picture a punk match, which has been a problem with this all-in build. I think is that you're thinking of your favourites. Like, what are they doing? And nothing really is springing to mind because it's an inconceivable thought. Yeah. Well, yeah. And punk at the moment, there's just nobody. I don't think I'm with you on the Starks thing. Just cannot see it. Is it very Tony Khan on SummerSlam night to go, oh, we'll just uh, do an angle for Punk Omega? Oh, it's, it's the idea yes. that it could steal yeah. the conversation. And it would. Well, from certain cards, co- yeah, stay on my heart. And I'm buzzing for SummerSlam. And that's all I'd be able to think it about. It's like a 7 out of 10 card on paper. Or oh, all in. Oh, no, sorry. Both? <laughs> Both? How's that for bias? You <laughs> uh, so we're all very more, biased. More people are all in. Yeah. Like 30,000 more people. Give us a card. <laughs> I tell you what, we are. Oh, I forgot to say, I didn't actually hate the idea that only the main event was booked tonight. I don't think it was advisable to say, "Oh, well, you know, we're gonna get this, this, and this over nine days." It felt like the absolute centerpiece. It felt like the biggest match for the biggest show, and it could just stand alone. Mm. Like it doesn't matter what we get; you're getting this. Um, I think people are still obviously anxious. That's what happens when you get Grado versus Jeff Jarrett teased. 
But I did think, even if it was didn't do enough to ease the anxieties, I didn't think it was a good promotional idea to say, you get this match, this massive match. Anything else would get in. lost, wouldn't it, in the conversation? Yeah, yeah. Every, I think the idea of everything else is a bonus, you get in this match, guys. I thought it was a good idea. There's some real bad faith sharks swimming around this MJF Adam Cole thing. Because about a month and a half ago, people were ready to, like, had the knives out for MJF. <laughs> Isn't it weird that we've got Wembley coming up and nobody's fantasy booking anything for MJF? And then, as the story was developing... Bit lightweight for the world champion, isn't it? And now this match is a very, very worthy main event in a featuring two men gobbling up the court. It's the hottest hours, thing in the company. Selling the t-shirts, hottest thing in the company by a mile. All been made absolute fools of. Hottest thing in the company right now because coming up on the inside is the Mogul Embassy kicking oh ass. Oh my god! Uh, they're backstage. Ar Fox says, "I mean, you were so close, Darby Allen. Why didn't you give me a call for?" for Five years. Why don't you get me in this company earlier? Uh, and Swerve says, but now he's part of this. You know, we take care of our affiliates. And I've made a little film. And uh, the Mogul affiliates have, have found out that um, Nick Wayne's posted his training schedule. So they're paying a little visit to the Buddy Wayne Academy. And they walk in and yell, what up, turds? <laughs> Tids. And uh, How did they dare give this a bit of levity before it went where yeah. it went? Brilliant. So uh, Swerve's there and... and He's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I've always wanted to come and train here. I never got the chance to. And by the way, what does the fox say? <laughs> and the fox doesn't say anything. He just throws a skateboard at one of the trainees. Um, the missing the line is where he goes, I always wonder what this place looks like. An absolute shit <laughs> hole. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, yeah, throws a skateboard trainee. The other one gets kicked out of the ring. Nick Wayne puts up a bit of a fight, but the numbers game catches up to him. Um, and um, Swerve Strickland nails... Um, Nick Wayne with a picture frame, glass everywhere, busts him Horrible. Open. Oh, it was brutal. So cruel. Holds it was up. well filmed, put it that way. Yeah. yeah. Holds up the picture of Wayne and his father. Um, busted open, Nick Wayne's just crawling to his phone and Strickland makes him call Darby Allen. Um, and he says, why didn't you? You know, you, oh, you answered your phone like this. Why didn't you ever do this for, for AR Fox when you could have? He says, the ghosts of your past are here to haunt you, Darby Allen. This is just the beginning. Mogul embassy forever. And then they cut to Nick Wayne in a pool of his own blood as they just bail out of there. I, uh, there's nothing better when I'm watching pro wrestling other than, like, the best matches. It's like an, a, an angle that just... Instantly, I, I need to see that match now. Mm -hmm. Like that, you're instantly hooked on. I'd love to see that match. It's like uh, Leatherface put me on the meat hook. That was the <laughs> effect this had. It's like, right, I'm just on it. I need to see this match. Heavily invested. Like, you just want to see Darby and particularly Sting come back. It's like, he's an eight-year-old kid, and you've made him bleed because you're the worst person, Swerve, who's going to get vengeance. Like, absolutely brilliant stuff. I, I just love the outside-the-box thought to make this happen. The fact that it was established. Like, the visual of where Nick Wayne sat to cut his promo, putting the picture of his dad there. Like, unconscionable heel cruelty. Um, and, like, the close-up of that blood. Like, I don't think it was just because Moxley elected not to blade for once. It was just... I know the material of the mat was glossy in itself, and yet the blood was still standing out. And it like it was pooled. Mm. That's what blood looks like when it's not on like a flat surface. So it really got across how vile, how vile the heat angle was. At various points, I thought they're talking a lot. This feels increasingly scripted, but ultimately, I did think they struck the balance of like a theatrical presentation without undermining just how harrowing the violence and the the conduct was. Yeah, like. 
a money angle to Cedric's point. This was a money angle. All I could think about. I want to see AR Fox at Wembley now. Yeah, the fact that a fortnight ago, you could have said that to me. I was like, well, I, I like him, but not at Wembley. Now I need to see him get his ass kicked at Wembley Stadium. A peak AW moment in how he's been folded into all of this. Mm. So logically, so thoughtful. Everything can be traced back. Every single detail of this can be traced back in a way that makes total sense. You have a. Uh, for no pun intended, a swerve turn that suddenly doesn't feel much like a swerve when you uh, see the bigger picture. The best pro wrestling is still the core tenets being observed with creative flair, and that's what this was. Absolutely. Why do you like Raw then? Absolutely. Nailed on good guys and bad guys with... Uh, it's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I can't answer it. Why do I like Raw? I don't know, probably because I haven't watched it in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I'm back on board. Um, just the idea that now, Sting was the guy I thought of as well. Like, he's already going to... Sting's a superhero, right? Mm-hmm. Superhero brought to life, even in his 60s. And he's going to wrestle in front of the biggest crowd. And the good guy's going to beat the shit out of the bad guys for being the worst bad guys. Like, the Buddy Wayne Academy, as they called it, as they filmed themselves outside a garage. This couldn't be more. They've gone in, and they've robbed a mom and pop shop. Mm. This is when Adam Cole went into the Gargano sandwich shop. It yeah. was just this piece of garbage to Johnny Gargano's dad, who was just trying to make sandwiches for people, because there's a bad guy and a good guy, and there's consequences for people's actions. And I, I cannot wait for this six-man, and how this has all come together is just ingenious. Mm. The AR Fox at Wembley thing is a point. Like, you can sell Pro wrestling is magic. You can sell anything as long as it's believable enough for people to buy, and this totally is. And yet, what, a week ago? No, well, six weeks ago, there was no Nick Wayne, so we get his story, and that's where all of this really starts, and now we're here. Like, how dare these bastards just be as nasty as they were here? Mm. They need consequences. It's going to be brilliant. You could get the cops escorting him to ring as well, and he could advertise stinging the police back at Wembley. So, Thoughts? <laughs> ROH tag titles oh, online man, next. I kind of like the sound of that because I'm walking on the moon. <laughs> Come on, punk. Some may say you're wishing your days away. All you bloody out. in New York now. <laughs> Is that the lyric? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he's in. He's not in WWE anymore. I'm watching Matt Hardy work and I'm seeing every breath he takes. <laughs> Wish I didn't have to see every move he makes. All you bloody open. Takes him long enough. <laughs> Leo <laughs> Delvikingo in command of all the ROH tag Don't titles. Don't stand so close to me. I'm less over when you're here. <laughs> uh, considering all the eventful stuff that happened on this show, quite rightly, by the way, there was an insane bit from right at the start of this match that's been all over Twitter. It's like a Tornillo head scissors, whatever you want to call it. Uh, how do it's you like do gravity that? defying. It's like, you... a, like a corkscrew yeah, drill. How you... Bonkers. That was just the first thing that basically happened to Paul Cole Flitcher. Uh, Commander walks on Vikingo shoulders into, onto a hurricane runner on Mark Davis, uh, who grew groups on the outside uh, later on. Uh, we find um, double dives attempted from uh, Vikingo and Commander, but they get caught by Mark Davis and Cole Flitcher, who run around ringsides and uh, collide into each other. Vikingo has the hot tag, um, but was uh, quickly flattened by a double super kick in midair. Um, they get a two-count do Aussie bloody open. Vikingo gets sandwiched with a double forearm <laughs> shot. Vikingo's in a fireman's carry, but Commander comes flying in off the back uh, and uh, hits a leaping, another destroyer, leaping destroyer on Carl Fletcher. Oh, my God. We're back, baby. Vikingo hits a crucifix spot. Can have your headlocks on collision. Mark Davis. God, I miss collision. 
Aussie Open. Saturday, Dick's collision, and then I get to watch SmackDown afterwards as well. What a weekend. Aussie Open gets sent to the floor. Vikingo and Commander do a rope walk into Moonsaults outside. I mean, like, can we just... That was unbelievable. Yeah. It gets... It's one of those things that it gets less impressive the more you see it, as does everything, but it's it's hard enough to do it once for one person to do it. Like, it's just class. Well, that Mm. was great. Davis down inside, double 450 from both Vikingo and Commander, but Cole Fletcher breaks it up at the last second. Fletcher and Vikingo spill to the outside. Commander tries his rope walk shooting star, misses. Davis and Fletcher hit with the Coriolis to retain the ROH tag titles. This was the most spectacular version of a gentleman's three. I don't think it was particularly, it never hit great. It never had that breathless, adrenalizing, I cannot believe how awesome this is feeling. There were some spots that gave you that, ah! Mm. Ah! but it wasn't like it wasn't like a white knuckle. I cannot believe how awesome this is. A lot of fun, and you know what? I was just in a very atypical, generous. Oh, sorry. Maybe it's the tunnels. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's the fact that I could see the back row. I don't know what it was. There's a lot of good stuff on here. I thought this was a literal waste of time. Oh, you watch Raw? A literal waste of time. Like there are. Uh, Look, no, no, I can look, agree with that take. Earlier this week, the King of Kings came out and called AW a secondary promotion. Ring of Honor's a tertiary at best. Like, and maybe not even that. And yet we're doing this. Like, I also I agree with everything Sid just said about the match. I, it's If you're in the building, you're going nuts for those aerials. Of course you are. But, and as a result, you're going to get the noise and that should elevate it through the screen. It didn't. I don't know. Not very nice or is it unkind? I don't know what you're supposed to say about wrestlers anymore, but like, I don't think Aussie Open are all that. People Just love them. not seeing it. I'm sorry. Like, no, I haven't seen it that much, to be honest. I, I, I think, obviously, they're great mm-hmm. with the right opponent. They can be great with the right opponents, but outside of FTR, I'm not seeing many right opponents. I think they're situationally a great tag team. And Vikingo and Commander are, are great with people to make the whys and the wares make more sense than just the hows of what they do. The hows are for the people in the building. I think when you're watching on the screen, you need a bit more why and where. And I still, I've taken a bump in my life, and I've certainly never done what they do. <laughs> but I just don't think it's necessarily always deployed in the right way to get you a bit more emotionally invested. This, I would, there was 20, 30 wrestlers probably on that roster already used instead or shown some more old dynamite clips. I did not get why I was watching this, and I did not feel any investment in the stakes, the belts, or any of it. Uh, it's just weird. Again, this is I can understand people's because I do share them. I just got worked by walk. Why <laughs> people are like, oh, what's happening all in? Why am I watching of all things the ROH tag team titles being defended on a dynamite show when like remember February twenty twenty <laughs> <laughs> everything because I had a smaller cast to play with. Um, the collision headlock take is a really good point because the collision headlock will feature us as well. Like, where's this headlock going? Yeah, like that. That's kind of what I'm after. And it's, uh, everything was like just propulsively with purpose moving towards February 29th, 2020. February 29th, 2020. This show cannot come soon enough because that's got a ramification. There's repercussions that are going to spill from this. It just felt so focused towards this thing that felt like it was taking ages to get here just because it was the anticipation. What did this achieve? Mm. Mate, I took a lot of time away from the main event uh, as well, which was the uh, AW Women's World title. Tony Storm defending against Hikaru Shida, uh, of course, with Soraya and Ruby Soho running interference at ringside. Um, Storm immediately after taking a few forearms from Shida, 
bails to the outside to recover with the outcasts. Uh, but Shida goes after her, gets caught out there, though, uh, and Shida gets dropped headfirst on the railing. They go back inside. There's a running hip attack, and Shida gets sent outside uh, to get beaten up by Ruby Soho and Soraya without the referee seeing it. When we come back from the break, Hikaru Shida avoids sweet cheek music, hits a release German, uh, gets a near fall off a Meteora. She wants the superplex, but Soraya takes the ref, and Soho gets involved. That's allowed Storm to uh, hit a tornado DDT, sweet cheek music, and a DDT, but uh, Shida's still in there. Um, Sheeta nails Storm with a pumping knee and a falcon arrow for a two count. And Soraya slides the kendo stick in right in front of the ref. But uh, there's Storm begging, daring Sheeta uh, to hit her with her and get herself disqualified. Sheeta does swing it, but it's a Ruby Soho to knock her off the apron. Uh, the ref turns to get rid of the kendo stick. Storm uses that as an opportunity to blind Hikaru Sheeta with the spray, stri- spray paint. Hits Storm Zero, but Sheeta kicks out at two. Storm goes for another um, Storm Zero, but Shida backdrops out of it, gets the high stack. One, two, three. Hikaru Shida is AW Women's World Champion again. Confetti comes down, uh, and the pandemic champion who celebrated with no one basically in attendance finally gets the reception she deserves. This is this is so nice and so clever, so deserved, so dramatic because it was not signposted. It kind of was, but he just didn't really just thought it was something for Tony Storm to say. And then the penny drop for this man. Ah, oh, from no one to the most people. A masterpiece of booking. Um, I absolutely was in love with the idea, the execution. I thought the match was excellent as well. I don't think I could find enough words to put over just how clever I thought this was. And even more so, obviously this was not the plan. The plan was we're going to do a Jamie Hayter title yeah. match mm-hmm. until, you know, she came down with that injury. So for them to think, right, okay, what's the nicest and best and most, like, evocative thing we can do? All right, okay, have Sheeta be the Wembley champion and the pandemic champion and build that story. Absolutely incredible. I thought the work, like, the first 10 seconds was pivotal. They, as Tony Storm again promised, did in fact beat the piss out of each other. It felt like they were just going hell for leather. They set that all-important tone and the false finishes, I thought, were just timed to absolute perfection. Uh, and they did that. I think it's a feature of Tony Storm's best matches where on paper it looks like, oh, if you do this, you'll have missed your peak because you did loads of false finishes with Hater. And was it the full gear match? Mm-hmm. If you laid out the structure of the Tony Storm big title match on paper, you'd think, oh, you're missing your peak if you do it there. But she's just got that gift of just mm. getting there. Um, it's absolutely tremendous. Also, like, I thought the women did the absolutely best possible job. I thought the booking was just amazing, lovely. And uh, lastly, before I want to put, because Hamlet deserves a long talk on this because it's about time he said something nice, <laughs> is Excalibur's call was magnificent. So they do the two false finishes of, oh, she's cheated. And then, oh, she's cheated. And then you get the, the third. The first time where you think, oh, there's been a daylight robbery committed by the outcasts again. With a resigned, I'm sick of watching them cheat. Sigh, Excalibur goes, one, two, to make it feel like it's inevitable. The first time, I thought, well, obviously it's not. That's what the commentators do. So I didn't buy that near fall. And the second one, it just his tone was even more exasperated. Oh, no, here it is. I was wrong the first time. <laughs> one, two, and then his explosion. His squeal with the light at the fact that, no, she kicked out. She will not be denied. Like, it's an end-to-end production from the Booker's Pen, to the performers, the crowd played their role by treating it like a big deal, to the commentary, to 
this was perfect, literally on every level. Could not have loved this more. Yeah, echo all of that. AW when it's its best is the show that shows you a thing, a bunch of things that you love, that encourages you to fantasy book and get excited, and then wrong foot you with something even better than the stuff you wanted. That's the best AEW. Yeah. In every era that it was great, it was it's that. This was that two A T. It showed you a match that you knew was going to bang, and it did. It put it in a position that you didn't expect, elevating its platform, which. You know, we haven't done ladies' night, but we did talk about this before the podcast. If it does with any consistency, this division can still be safe. Like I need six months of this. Yeah. Just to point out, I need six months of this, like consistently like prioritizing the women's division, trying to make it feel like a big deal, um, doing really cool ideas. This is the best women's idea since probably turning Brad Baker in February 2020. Like, I'm not kidding. This was such a good idea. Or the Anna J Abaddon deal. Where yeah. They've actually put a thought in, uh, but I need six months of this, otherwise it's just another false dawn. And another women's match on the show. Oh, like obviously but, we need more But that parity. should happen. Yeah. Like, it's not a commitment until you commit. So that when you commit, all of a sudden, there's these characters with more creative energy. Um, I think I think it was Stephanie Chase. I apologise if it's not. I think she asked or at one of the press conferences recently or the media calls, who have you got in creative that can lend a female voice, and Tony Khan pivoted as he does and started talking about coaches. So the answer was nobody. There's, it's the WWE problem of a bunch of men, or for a while they had Dana Warrior, did they? But like predominantly a bunch of men scripting or create, doing creative for women. Um, that still needs to be addressed, and you will suddenly see the difference in the way the program is. You know, these feuds and these programs are presented because this was it was night and day versus six months of outcast matches. I loved that Sheeta did this by herself. Like, she outthought and outfought them as a group. The DQ, the swinging the hips and hitting Ruby Soho and Soraya, rather than, say, Britt Baker coming down and making... There would be nothing wrong in that. Babyface just have friends. But I love that she did it herself because that was kind of the point of the original title reign, wasn't it? She does doing this by herself. This division is being overlooked. She's the most overlooked one. And then a pay-per-view comes along and she has a cool match and you're like, why is there not more of this? Mm. And there was that every month and there was no fans to give her that. You know, the, the zero to 70,000, 80,000 is just perfect. Never saw it coming, never thought about it. Mm. Honestly assumed when it went in the main event slot, and shame on me and anybody else that thought this, I guess. Ah, money. Money. Or have they been feeding the sheets about well, a hater and she's fit and she's good to go? Alert, basically. Yeah, like, what, well, what's the actual end That was inspired as well. I yeah, thought. there's an overrun. Hmm, who's coming out and what's the, what's the Wembley match going to be? It's going to be a car sheeter. There could have been a list of, if they had said, name 10 baby faces that could take a title into all in as a face, like, like Sheeta, by process of elimination, would become like 8, 9, or 10. And they've made her the first, and it makes total sense, and mm-hmm. it's going to be a stunning moment. And if you want to, you can put Soraya over and have her take the belt back there, but it's okay because you know what Sheeta's getting mm. from this. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, typically, the main event feels like it's been a stick to beat the women with in Dynamite. What was it? It was Mercedes Martinez Ring of Honor title match. It was a main event on Dynamite once. Who was it against? It wasn't good. Was it Diana Parazzo? Yeah, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, you might be right there. Aye, because they were unifying the belt because they both had laid yeah. claim to the title, didn't they? Wasn't good. Did a poor rating. And then I'm sure that was used then as a, well, we tried, we did our best, never mind. Like, this was anything but that. They did not sell this on the way in as one of the key reasons you should be watching Dynamite, but they presented it as if it was, and that's the stuff that works so much better than trying to lie through your teeth yeah. with no commitment. Loved it. Well, let us know your thoughts on AW Dynamite 200 on uh, X. 
Uh, at what culture <laughs> WWE? What, what you think? It's, what you think? It's funny, man. I like it. I like this extra. Do you reckon that's what the CM Punk thing was? Uh, you can follow Michael Sidgwick on X at <laughs> Elon Musk calls me one Bill Phil as I'm saying get on X at M Sidgwick follow Michael Hamlet at Michael Hamlet follow me at Adam Wilburn follow us all at What Culture WWE as I said make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts me and Sidgwick will be back tomorrow of course to preview AEW Collision but for now this will be the AEW Dynamite 200 review my thanks to the Dadly Boys thank you for joining us and we will see you soon Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.